meeting. In fact, I'll invite you to stand with me as we open the gospel together. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is Matthew's uh, view. We, we began to look at Luke last week, but hear what Matthew reports. He, he says in verse 18, This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said throughout the, through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. May God add his blessing to his word. Please be seated. Mary was about to discover that carrying a miracle to birth can take the soul through months of discomfort, weariness, criticism, and certainly depression. Pregnancy all by itself, as many of you can in this room attest, can be difficult and a challenging experience. But with Mary's child came a whole nother level of stress and pain. You know, there are times in our lives when we are called simply to wait. All we are called to do is wait on the promises of God. And I think for Mary, for us, Mary is a really important godly example of patience. In verse 19, we see Joseph, he misunderstands what is going on. The Bible says, because Joseph was faithful to the law. If you remember in the old NIV, it read, her husband was a righteous man. The Living Bible says he was a man of stern principle. He did not want to expose her to public disgrace, so he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Joseph didn't want to make this a big spectacle. He had enough respect for her to to try to keep it low-key, but his mind was set on that he should end this legal engagement quickly and quietly as possible. Now, this is one of those times when I guess I'd really love to see a little more information than what the Bible gives. Did Mary and Joseph say to each other behind the scenes? Now you know there is a whole lot to unpack there. There's great emotion and turmoil. Max Lucado wrote that reading the Bible was often look like looking through a knot hole in a fence. We we may have a glimpse of what is going on, but we certainly can't see everything. So I can only imagine the discussion that took place between this couple. I imagine Mary going to Joseph and trying to be as positive and upbeat as possible. Mary may have said something like, Joseph, the most wonderful thing has happened to me. 
Last night an angel came to visit me. He told me I am highly favored, and I can imagine Joseph is really intrigued. He's very excited. He told me that I have been chosen of God to give birth to the Messiah. Wow, amazing. Joseph, I am expecting a baby. Can you believe it? Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it wonderful what God is going to do through us? Now, I can only imagine Joseph's response. He needed a moment, don't you think, to take it in. And in spite of Mary's positive spin, it didn't take him long to figure out the implications. He'd never seen an angel. He'd never heard of a virgin birth. He wasn't a scientist, but he knew how things worked. And so he was not about to buy this story. Mary, what do you mean what God is going to do through us? I don't think there is an us. Do you really expect me to believe that you are going to have a baby and there is no human father? You can imagine the hurt, the anger, the disgust in that moment. It, I know it sounds preposterous, Joseph. I asked the angel the same thing, but he said, nothing is impossible with God. But Mary, I, I really want to believe you, but if you are expecting a baby, baby let's, let's face it, it means one thing. You've been unfaithful to me, to your family, and yes, even to your God. I am so disappointed. I am so broken. I am so ashamed. I need space. And in my mind's eye, I see Joseph turning and bolting toward the door. And I see Mary's eyes filling up with tears. It would be the first of a series of moments of misunderstandings and rejections for Mary. But I think this rejection probably was the most difficult. She felt the sting of a person, of someone who loved her, But that person was now doubting her. She went from a spiritual mountaintop of being touched by an angel to a pit of despair and being rejected by her fiancé. Mary had been misunderstood. But you know, it wouldn't have been just Joseph. What about her parents? And did it suddenly occur to her that if Joseph didn't believe her and her parents didn't believe her, then certainly none of her friends at Nazareth were going to believe. And she was really all alone. Now, I I think it's important that we turn this around and, and ask the question, have you ever been falsely accused when you were confident that you were doing the right thing? Of course... Maybe you've been misunderstood. Of course, this happens in big ways and small ways. This week, I, I went off to drop a package at the UPS store just down the street. It was about 4 o'clock, and man, was the store busy. And, and in this age of social distancing, you're, you're cognizant of how close you are supposed to be to people. So I walked in, and yes, the, the crowd was there, the room was full, and I'm just trying to figure out where I should adequately position myself. And that seemed innocent enough. But before I could figure everything out, a lady looks at me as sternly as she could as if I were a thief and says, now the end of the line is over here. 
And the implication was, is I was trying to cut or something. There was no such thing. I wanted to say something snarky, but instead I said, thank you, snarkily. I think that that... (laughs) We hate to be misunderstood. How hard it must have been, how hard it is to be doubted by someone who loves us. But Mary had to wait for God to, to work it all out. And by the way, we don't know how long it took. It may have been days. I suspect it was weeks or months before an angel came to Joseph and told him that her story was true and they were to be married. But even after Joseph believed her, Mary had to tolerate again and again the false accusations from others for years. It it should not be lost on any of us. And I've thought about this many times, that the reason Joseph and Mary could not find no room for them when they came to Bethlehem was because of their situation. Remember, this was Joseph's family's hometown. He had relatives everywhere in that city who would have normally taken them in. But this wasn't normal. And so not one family member wanted anything to do with them. But you know that the times we are waiting, it, it, it doesn't mean, however, that, that, that we should be doing nothing. And what I see with Mary is, is that when she was waiting, I want us to see how she was waiting. What did she do when she waited? And I want you to notice this with me. The first thing I see with Mary is this. Mary did, Mary, Mary sought out help from someone else who could understand. Mary sought help from Elizabeth, her cousin. Now, why is it that Elizabeth was able to understand Mary's situation? Well, of course, she was experiencing a miracle birth on her own. Elizabeth was about six months along when Mary comes into the house and remember what happens. Luke tells us. He says in Luke chapter 1, at that time, after Mary had received her news, Mary got ready and hurried to a town to the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby, now notice here, by the way, it's not a fetus, but it's the baby, it's six months developed, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. Now think about what wonderful news that was for Mary to hear. What wonderful uh, uh, relief it was for someone to recognize that she was telling the truth. She had been hearing so much about ridicule and other scorning here. But here she was hearing someone who believed her and blessed her. Listen, when you are struggling and feeling misunderstood, when you are feeling lost, it is not a sign of weakness but it's an incredible act of strength, courage, and wisdom to seek help from someone who can understand. We are to be encouragers to one another. I find it very interesting that when Elizabeth's baby leaps in the womb, and who was that baby? John the Baptist. 
But the text says that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit as she blesses Mary. The word encourage in the New Testament means to comfort, to to cheer up, to console, to speak in a friendly manner. Jesus used the noun form of that very verb in John 14, 26, when he called the Holy Spirit our helper. So when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we will be an encourager to others. This is a ministry that we can all share in, in one way or another. And I would say this, friend, if you are hurting, if you this morning are feeling misunderstood, If you feel like you're lost in any sense, don't be afraid to seek someone out, to get some help and to find someone who can listen. That's what our ministries here at the church are for. That's why I'm a pastor. I love the fact that this week our own Nancy Verdon has published a book that just came out. It's called How the Difference Maker Lifts You Above Depressive Thoughts. I've had a chance to review it uh, this weekend, and it's chock full of scriptural insights and practical exercises. Sometimes a, a book can help us too, and I appreciate Nancy's ministry. But secondly, I would think that this is true too. Elizabeth encourages Mary, we see that, but remember, Elizabeth has no children of her own. And the Bible says she's very old. So Elizabeth is pregnant, getting ready for a baby. The Bible tells us that Mary stayed with Elizabeth for three months. So what do you think Mary did during that time? Do you think she sat and watched Judge Judy all day? Did that teenage girl just pick up her phone, text her friends, and make TikTok videos? No. I think she helped out. Listen, when when you have been misunderstood and you are waiting for God, learn to serve somebody else. And so I see Mary cooking meals and doing the dishes and helping decorate the nursery. Elizabeth helped Mary, but Mary helped Elizabeth. And this morning, I'm just reminded that when you're feeling down, the best thing you can do is often just go help somebody else. There's always someone else who can use a phone call or a kind note. If you're young, dig the snow out of a driveway and don't expect payment in return. You'll feel good and and it'll be healthy. The worst thing you can do is simply pace the floor and watch inane hours of television or gorge yourself on whatever is in the refrigerator. Find somebody who is in need and help them. Get your mind off yourself. The Bible points out this way. If you seek to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. That's a scriptural principle. Another thing I see Mary do is this. She sang a song. She sang a song. Luke reports, he records what we call Mary's song. She begins this way. She says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. 
For he has been mindful of the humble estate of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. You see, she was taking the truth. And she was putting it to a song, and that song allowed her to to hear it again and again, the truth of God. Even when the circumstances around her said something else. I am blessed. I am in God's favor. He is doing something great in this season in my life. There's something about music, isn't there? It's the language of the heart. It inspires the spirit. It calms our nerves. It softens the rough edges. It revives the soul. It's why when when you call a certain company, they'll, they'll put you on hold, but they'll put music on just to make the time go faster. I was thinking this week, you know, when Jesus... When Jesus was feeling the pain of the cross and the agony of Gethsemane, you remember the last thing he did before he left the upper room? They sang a hymn. They sang a hymn together. There, there's just something about a song that we can review and learn and study. And when you face those moments, to be able to go back to some of those, in my view, is a lot of those hymns, it is well with my soul. Just to sing it and be reassured. Listen, when you are waiting on God, sing. Or do something creative. Maybe for you it's you write in your journal or maybe you paint or bake. But do something creative. I think that allowed her then to stand tall in her convictions. The Bible says Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months. And then the Bible says she returned home. You know, that had to be hard. By that time, Mary would be gaining weight and people would be pointing their fingers. Thirty years later, when Jesus was beginning his ministry, some of the people would say sarcastically, we're not illegitimate children, giving an, an implication Mary had to deal with those rumors and innuendos for years and years. But here she was. She stayed in Nazareth. When you are misunderstood, there's a strong temptation to run away, to hide, to forget the truth, to forget those moments when God spoke to you. Go to another city. Get a fresh start, some will say. And sometimes that might be the the best thing, but not usually. You can't run away from your problems. You can't run away from yourself. You can't want to run away from God. In Lee Ezel's book, The Missing Peace, she talks about how, as a young lady, she was raped and became pregnant. Her alcoholic mother begged her to leave home and come back when it was all over. Lee had, however, become a Christian recently and determined that abortion was not an option. She wrote, as I desperately searched the scripture for direction, I discovered the beautiful prayer of King David in Psalm 139. It reads, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. My frame was hidden from you when I was made in secret. She said, based on these verses, I knew that the baby I was carrying was infinitely valuable. 
She said, and I decided that abortion was a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Surely I can find a way to go full term with this pregnancy, I thought. Even though I'd never volunteered for this baby, I decided to give birth to the baby and place her up for adoption, which she did. The baby was adopted by two wonderful Christian parents. Twenty years later, Lee had the wonderful opportunity of meeting her biological mother, or Lee had uh, her biological daughter, and immediately her daughter tried to win her to the Lord. She was a faithful witness, and Lee responded, Listen, you have already led me to Christ 20 years ago when you were born. You know, it may be the most difficult thing in the world. When you're misunderstood, when things aren't going your way, when circumstances are tough, to stick it out. But don't run. Endure the ridicule. Sometimes you'll discover who your real friends are. You will discover that in that process you'll mature in your spirit. You will discover that God's grace really is Sufficient? You don't wish it on anybody. But Ecclesiastes 7, 8 reminds us, the end of a matter is better than its beginning. Patience of spirit is better than pride. If we can just be patient, in the end, God will see you through, and it will be better than the beginning. Well, Matthew one twenty and following relates God's intervention. The Bible tells us, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived of her is from the Holy Spirit. And so God reveals this truth to Joseph through an angel, and Joseph wakes up, he does what the angel of the Lord commanded him to do. So what we see here is that Mary was reconciled with Joseph. But I want to remind you, there are so many other ways where she had to wait a lifetime. She was always waiting. All of her life was spent on waiting for God's truth to be revealed. She waited weeks until God revealed to her fiancé in this dream that she was telling the truth. She waited months after the marriage until Jesus was born to have natural relations with her husband. She waited in a foreign country for Jesus uh, until Herod died and for Jesus to be safe to return home. Then she waited three decades for Jesus to assert himself as the Messiah. In fact, the first miracle that Jesus performed, you remember, was at the prodding of his mother. It's time, she said. Let's do this by already. Let's make this wine for this couple at this party, at the wedding. And three years later, Mary was still waiting for Jesus to be king. And when she stood at the cross, she must have been so very perplexed about God's will. Did she hear Simeon's prophecy again in her spirit? When he had told her, a sword is going to pierce through your soul, Mary. She couldn't have imagined it would hurt like this when her son died. 
But Mary waited three more days, and Jesus came back from the grave. And then she waited 40 more days, and she saw him ascend to heaven. Then she waited over another week, praying with the disciples in the upper room when the Holy Spirit came down. You see, all her life (laughs) was waiting patiently on God. She waited, and she waited, and she waited. And people called her blessed. Now, of course, remember this. Her path was much more difficult than she could have ever imagined. But she was blessed. Are you waiting on God this morning? Anything? Are you feeling misunderstood? No, you're in good company. I think this is the lesson I'm taking away from this this morning. Maybe it will help you. Sometimes when you go through the trial, the wisest course you can take is just wait on the intervention of God. Listen, there are some times when people misunderstand you. Or maybe you're going through a personal trial, some kind of stress. There is nothing you can do but wait on God. You'd like to immediately make it better. You'd like to fix it. You'd like to make it right. But you can't. And yet it is such an exercise in faith. Lord, I trust that your promises are true, that you will work all things together for good to them that love you. Your truth will be revealed in your perfect time. And so I will wait on you, O Lord. Psalm 37 reads, Wait for the Lord and keep his way. He will exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you will see it. Wait for the Lord. You keep trusting. You may have to wait three months, three years, 30 years, or maybe until eternity. But as Christians, we're often called to wait on the Lord. Recently, I was reading a story about Ross Broadfear, who's a pastor in Kentucky. His son had been tragically killed in an auto accident. Joanne Smith was the chaplain at the hospital, and she said, I was here when Bob came in to identify his son who had been killed. She said, I escorted him into the, to the room where his son's body was, and he draped his, his own body over his son, and he embraced him. And she says, I heard him say, these were the very first things. He said, oh, dear Jesus, Thank you that you have saved my son. Thank you that Chris has been saved by grace. Thank you that he's with you. Thank you that he is at peace. Oh God. She said, I've seen people in those moments throw things at the wall. I've heard them curse. I've heard them shove me away and say, get out of my face. But I've never seen such a demonstration of faith in the midst of such a trial. And the thing is, 
he will have to wait to see his son again. Folks, there are going to be times in our lives where there is nothing you can do. There is nothing that you can do to to make it better, to make it easier, to make it right. But that's when we need to hear the voice of God who says, they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles and fly. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Maybe you're waiting this morning and that's all you can do is just walk. You're not ready to run. You're not even close to flying. That's okay. But you're called to wait on the Lord. His promises are true. You keep waiting. Don't you faint. I'm so grateful that God gives us Mary as this example. Will you pray with me? Lord, your word tells us, you, Lord, hear the desires of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry. Lord, I suspect there are many in this room and many listening who are waiting. And with waiting come questions. But also, Lord, I believe with all my heart that with waiting comes opportunity. Opportunity to share our faith with others. Opportunity, Lord, to serve you, to trust you, to grow in our relationship with you. To discover the validity of your promises. You are a promise keeper. You are always faithful. But Lord, you are faithful in your time and not ours. So Father, we, we have been given this commission to learn to wait on you. But we know that, Lord, through the mercies of what Jesus Christ has provided, that, Lord, the end is going to be better than the beginning. And that our best days, our best moments are ahead of us. So, Lord, we acknowledge this morning our trust in you. Father, if there is someone here right now who doesn't know you personally, who hasn't received the gift of your salvation through Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, that you would soften their hearts and they would say yes to this gift of faith in Jesus. That they would join each of us on this journey. Lord, I do not promise that it would be an easy journey, but I do ask, Lord, that you give us the wisdom to understand it is rich in mercy, it is beautiful, and it is wonderful, Lord, to know that we have been given the gift of eternal life. Lord, we wait on you even now. Lord, through this, may we learn to trust you more. I ask this all in Jesus' name.